The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 12th. In today's news, the U.S. women's national soccer team walloped Thailand 13 to nothing. Police and protesters are clashing in Hong Kong this morning. Joe Biden and Donald Trump shadowboxed last night in Iowa. And falling coffee prices are contributing to the crisis at the southern border. But first, the big idea. President Trump is fixated on his belief that he's immune to impeachment, or the I-word as he likes to call it, because he thinks he's done nothing wrong. The president is intrigued by the notion of impeachment. He talks about it constantly, but he's wary of its practical dangers. According to interviews with several advisors, Trump remembers very well how Republican impeachment proceedings in the late 1990s against Bill Clinton seemed to boost Clinton's approval ratings. And several of his advisors inside and outside the White House say that Trump feels like he's at his best when he's battling a perceived foe. Yet, he also views impeachment in deeply personal terms. He's less concerned about the potential historical stand on his legacy. Clinton and Andrew Johnson are the only presidents to ever have been impeached. And more worried about what he sees as yet another Democratic attack on the very legitimacy of his presidency. Those close to Trump are offering him advice on impeachment that one outside advisor close to the president describes as truly binary. On one side are those loyalists, mainly outside the White House, who are telling the president that impeachment could be a political blessing, that one road to re-election runs through impeachment. On the other side is a larger contingent, warning that impeachment, even under the rosiest scenarios, would be a grueling gauntlet that would leave him politically bruised, with an asterisk forever marring his presidency. Last night, House Democrats voted to go to court to enforce subpoenas against Attorney General Bill Barr and former White House counsel Don McGahn. On a party-line vote, the House passed a resolution that would empower the House Judiciary Committee to go to court against Barr and McGahn over non-compliance. The vote keeps Democrats squarely on the meticulous investigative track that's favored by Nancy Pelosi and away from the formal impeachment inquiry that some 60 rank-and-file House Democrats and several 2020 presidential candidates have now endorsed. Separately, the Justice Department announced yesterday that Barr will ask Trump to assert executive privilege if Democrats move ahead with a vote scheduled for later today to hold him in contempt. That would make it easier for him to shield documents from Congress that could provide additional evidence of discriminatory intent behind the administration's decision to add that citizenship question to the 2020 census. The Oversight Committee on the House side is expected to plow ahead and vote to hold both Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt for failing to turn over documents that lawmakers subpoenaed months ago. Also happening today, Donald Trump Jr. will appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee for a closed-door interview. The president's eldest son is expected to spend about four hours with the committee, answering a limited number of questions, according to people familiar with the terms of the deal. One of the topics he's agreed to talk about is that June 2016 meeting at Trump Tower with the Russian lawyer who was promising dirt on Hillary Clinton. Congressional Democrats believe that Don Jr. lied to them during his previous testimony, specifically about that meeting and whether he ever told his father about it. Those suspicions were heightened after the publication of Bob Mueller's report, as well as Michael Cohen's public testimony. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one. Tens of thousands of demonstrators in Hong Kong 
have stormed key city roads in the face of tear gas and rubber bullets today after several days of heightened tensions over the government's plan to push forward a bill that would allow extraditions to communist China. It is the second time in five years that Hong Kong's main roads have been occupied in defiance of Beijing's tightening control on the semi-autonomous city. Hong Kong's Harcourt Road, a major thoroughfare that ties the city together, was the scene of major street battles between the young protesters and police throughout Wednesday afternoon, their time. The protesters, many of them young people who are dressed in black and have been camping out, have now surrounded the building that houses Hong Kong's main government offices, the Legislative Council. The government has refused to scrap the extradition bill even after these enormous protests, which organizers said brought over a million people to the streets. Critics of this bill fear, probably correctly, that it would effectively apply China's justice system to their semi-autonomous city. Just as lawmakers were scheduled to hold a second reading of the bill at 11 a.m. local time, the president of the legislature announced the reading would be changed to a later date, apparently in response to the protests. A final vote is still expected by June 20th. Hong Kong's chief executive Carrie Lam joined mainland China officials at a big banquet Tuesday night in Hong Kong to celebrate the 22nd anniversary of the territory's return to China from the United Kingdom. Number two, Joe Biden and Trump spent yesterday exchanging insults in Iowa, previewing the one-on-one campaign they both crave. The former vice president questioned the president's intelligence and challenged his morality, By turns chiding and goading, Biden, whose speeches can sometimes ramble and meander, offered one of his most coherent rationales for seeking the presidency. He called the president an existential threat to America while appearing in Ottumwa, the first of several events in the Hawkeye state in which he delivered a multi-pronged indictment of Trump's policies, values, and character. Trump, who has repeatedly brushed aside the advice of aides who warn him against elevating Biden by attacking him, responded with the plain-spoken vitriol that it built his political brand. He pointed to Biden's dismal finish in the 2008 presidential campaign, including Iowa, saying that Barack Obama, quote, took him off the trash heap by making him his running mate. He suggested that Biden has lost a step mentally and physically. He repeatedly called him a, quote, real dummy. Biden is 76, and Trump will be 73 on Friday, making both significantly older than most of the Democratic field. Number three, the migration problem is really a coffee problem. Guatemala is now the single largest source of migrants attempting to enter the United States. More than 211,000 Guatemalans were apprehended at the southwest border in the eight months from October to May. In western Guatemala, one of the biggest factors in that surge is the falling price of coffee. From $2.20 a pound in 2015 to a low this year of 86 cents, that's a 60% drop. Since 2017, most farmers have been operating at a big loss, even as they sell their beans to some of the world's best-known specialty coffee brands. A staggering number of those farmers have decided to migrate because they just can't make it. The U.S. government continues to struggle with this influx of migrants. They're trying to figure out what to do with all of them. The Trump administration announced plans yesterday to use an area of an army base in Oklahoma to hold some of the immigrant children. Fort Sill was also a Japanese internment camp during World War II. HHS says it will detain 1,400 children there until they can be given to an adult relative. To be sure, using military bases in this way is not new. In 2014, the Obama administration placed about 7,700 migrant children on military bases in Texas, California, and Oklahoma, including Fort Sill. But the news that these children are going to what was an internment camp is a reminder that, as William Faulkner wrote, The past 
is never dead. It's not even past. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.